party. Hey, before we get stu- stuck in the world, who, who, who enjoyed that game? <laughs> we do some silly things here sometimes, so uh, welcome. If you're here for the first time, those who are participating online, great to have you here. A big shout out all the way from New South Wales with us here tonight, Josh and Jess. Come on, give it up for Josh and Jess. Try saying that fast. Big day coming up in December, of course, right? So uh, all the very best in the next six months or so. So uh, all the very best. It's great to have you guys here with us. And uh, hey, we're starting a brand new series. Can I just say a quick prayer? Is that okay? Can we just give this time to God? God, we just uh, thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you that only you can transform a heart like you've done with mine. I'm thankful for all that you've done for me. And I know what you're going to do here tonight and that is to also change, challenge, and transform people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Have we got our word open here tonight? Have we got our um, smart devices? Feel free to open those up. If you don't, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen. But the idea behind this brand new series, as we open this tonight in part one, is that there are a lot of people in history that we know, right? There's also a lot of people in history that we don't know. But everybody together makes this world happen, right? So for example, thanks Oliver, if I say a name, if I say the name Sir Edmund Hillary, many of us would know that he was one of the four Beatles, right? No, correct, he wasn't. In fact, Sir Edmund Hillary, some people are listening, which is good, uh, he was in fact the first person who set foot on the highest point of earth called bonus points. For the height of Mount Everest is 29,000 feet high. That's where planes pretty much hover when planes are up in the air. And so, uh, by the way, bonus, bonus points for what year that was? 1953, very good, very good. So we know of Sir Edmund Hillary, but do we know of his sidekick who went alongside him? Tenzing Norgay is his name, a Nepalese, good try, good try, a Nepalese Sherpa. And so we have Sir Edmund Hillary and his sidekick, Tenzing Norgay, but we also have a team who supported this adventure by 400 people. Within that 400 people, we had 362 porters and 20 Sherpas. See, let's think about history for a moment because I think history has something to tell us. History has a way of wanting to push one person to the top. But in every story, there are so many hidden people of, uh, of the fine print <laughs> of history. And just as it is with Everest and every great thing that happens on earth, it's the same. In the kingdom of God. You see, we know Moses. Yep. We know of David. We know of Paul, Mary, um, Martha. We know, we know certain characters of the Bible. Yet God has written uh, into his story, history, many extraordinary people who have done courageous things to carry forth his mission and to build his church on Earth. With all that said, that little introduction of how we're going to face this series, our text tonight is in Luke 23. So if you'd like to turn there, feel free. But uh, we're going to discover tonight 
in Luke chapter 23, a deathbed conversation. Two men, two criminals, both criminals, both hopeless, both heartless, and also both Christless. But there is one to whom Jesus promises heaven because forgiveness is at the very heart of the good news of Jesus. All that said and done, let's open our word tonight to the Gospel of Luke chapter 23 for tonight's Bible reading. There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. May God add his blessing to this reading tonight, Luke chapter 23. Let's take this passage apart. There's so much in this. You know, when you're talking about hidden people of the Bible, you can often find a lot of characters. Of course, there are, but there's not a lot... Um, said about these particular characters, but I've got so much to get into here tonight. Let's take this apart from word go. There are also two other criminals led with him to be put to death, and when they had come to the place called Calvary, they were crucified. They, they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right, one on the left. Criminals. The original language for this particular word, criminals, is that these were really bad people, really bad, literally, literally evil working men. Now, in the gospel according to Luke, we're not in fact told what they did. We're not told what their names are, but we are told that they were criminals. Well, let's go back to Matthew and Mark, because Matthew and Mark certainly tell us what they did. Does anyone know? They were thieves. They were robbers. They tell us that they were wicked, wicked men. Not petty thieves, by the way. Um, they were heartless criminals. They would steal and, in fact, take pleasure in abusing their victims. These were wicked, wicked men on either side of Jesus as 
we saw in the clip there a moment ago. So here we go. Jesus is dying, one either side. And by the way, it's not accidental that this is happening because 700 years before this crucifixion, the prophet Isaiah would speak into the future on behalf of God and he would say, he would be numbered among the transgressors. And so this was very much a part of God's plan. Why? You think about the reputation that Jesus had amongst the religious people of the day. What was Jesus' reputation? And they tried to insult him by saying Jesus was a friend of sinners. Ho, ho, ho. How offensive to Jesus being a friend of sinners. Now, this has been Jesus all along the story, the gospel story. Born among animals, died among criminals. Born in a cave, died upon the cross. He was the friend of sinners. Very good. Which shows us, I think, a few things, but let's, let's come down to a couple of things. I think this shows us divine humility. Philippians chapter 2, if you want a little bit of homework uh, during the week, Philippians chapter 2. But also it, sh- it shows us equal opportunity. And what I mean by that, yes, that Jesus was an equal opportunity saviour. Uh, uh, let, me, let me explain what I mean by that. You see, two men dying uh, next to Jesus, both have this equal opportunity. Both committed the same crime, both dying the same death, yeah, both in close proximity right beside Jesus, right beside perfection. One dies saved, the other dies lost. Once again, they both have this opportunity, yet there are two different outcomes, and we've got to ask the question, why? Why? And maybe, maybe a little bit of an answer to that question is that opportunity and proximity never guarantee your eternal destiny. Just because you were close, just because you observed, and just because you even heard doesn't mean you will be saved. Now, can I just press pause here for a moment? I'm going to go off a little bit of a tangent. I've told the guys at the back. I'm going to go off a little bit of a tangent. And what I mean by that is the word saved. You know, sometimes people come up with a certain date that they were saved on. You kind of of celebrate that. I was saved on December 3, 19, whatever. You kind of go, well, what what do you mean? What was saved? What, What do you mean by saved? I wonder what your answer would be if somebody asked you that, that what, what do you mean by saved? Saved, saved from what? Romans 10 verse 9 says this, that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You will be saved. Saved from what? Yes, Jesus loves you. With all that he had upon a cross, yes, he does. But unless we repent, we will perish an everlasting eternal death without God. Unless, unless, let me just talk about this a little bit more because the message of salvation is that you and I are violators of God's law and we are headed for eternal punishment under the wrath of God. And we don't often talk about this. But there's, a bigger, there's, there's hope in this. There is hope in this. You see, 
Here's what happened. We can live one of two ways when it comes to faith, when it comes to God. We can live connected to God or disconnected from God. John 15 puts it like this, that he is the vine and we are the branches, yeah? And so being saved, saved is being connected to the vine as a branch, being connected to the vine. And as we connected to the vine, fruit of the Spirit starts to pour out from our lives. And of course, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, patience, self-control. But, but as we've just sung in some of those songs, I don't know if you took notice of those songs, beautiful songs, and I love these final three songs we're going to sing in a moment. There are consequences. There are consequences to um, the struggle um, that we have in life without being connected to uh, the vine. And so God kind of says, well, you can't make it on your own because God's standards are extremely high. He is God. He is great. He is big. He is powerful. He is almighty, right? And so God says, well, because of that, I've given you Jesus. And so let's keep talking about, I'm still off I'm on a bit of a tangent for a moment because there are things in life that, that you and I do, yeah, that you and I say and you and I think that are often offensive to a holy God. Which brings me to this idea, come with me just for a moment, uh, this idea of absolute truth. Absolute truth. We believe as Christians in absolute truth. Where relativism, relativism, there is no absolute truth. I'll live however I want. Um, there is no God. And so truth can move and shift over time. There was a philosopher in the 1960s who wrote a book. Well-known philosopher. He's so well-known, I can't remember his name. <sighs> that he actually anticipated in his writings. I'm so sorry. He actually anticipated in his writings days like today, 2010, 2015, 2020, how society would shift from God's standards. And so... We're starting to see the phrase, help me out with a nod here or kind of a holler. We're starting to see phrases such as this. Wait for it. My truth. Help me. Yeah? My truth. That's my truth. Mm, that's my truth. So we're starting to hear phrases like that, and which kind of catches this idea of relativism in society. There's no basis to judge whether you are correct or not. If you say that I'm lying, then you choose to live offended. See, relativism, I knew I was going to say that. Hang in there. Relativism has made it very hard to know what in life, in society, and young people won't understand this at all in terms of some of us older people who are a little my vintage and older will understand how society used to be that... It's so hard to know what is sin now. Um, there's no general agreement to what's sinful behavior and what's not. You see, people make up their mind of what is right and what is wrong. And it all depends on how I feel. Because that's my theology, as we're talking about this morning. So who are you? 
to tell me if I've done anything wrong. I'm the one in charge of my life. I'm the one in charge of my morals. So God has provided for us in his word absolute truth, which is an anchor for us to live in and by. Okay, um, a ship. If a ship is not anchored correctly, what happens? Very good, I heard the word. It drifts. A ship drifts. Guess what has happened to society? We're not anchored in anything anymore. And because of that, guess what? Society has gone where it's gone. And so God has provided for us this absolute truth. And by the way, by the way, God's truth is tough. Anything that separates us from the Father, once again, his standards are pretty, pretty high. That's why he's given us Jesus. And so he's laid out in Scripture the principle that he wants us to live by, principles that he wants us to live by. And we were originally designed to be in perfect, harmonious relationship with the Father. But because sin separates us, He's provided Jesus, and that's, that is who, wait for it, here's the word again. That is, I'm coming back to my point, saved, yeah? So that is who saves us. All right, off my tangent, let's come back to my notes. All right, where were we? Where were we? <laughs> oh, that's right, divine humility. Remember that? Divine humility and equal opportunity. The story goes on. Let's read on. Verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuked him. This is a pretty strong word, right? Rebuked him. Do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, say this with me, he has done what? Nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Remember before I mentioned the gospel according to Luke was a little different. Gave a little bit more detail in Matthew and Mark. And so Matthew and Mark says, everyone, everyone, including these two criminals, are piling insults upon Jesus, including the two criminals. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of commotion around the foot of the cross. Um, there's not a lot of clarity. Leaders um, didn't have clarity. The people didn't have clarity. The Romans didn't have clarity. The priest didn't. The high priest, they didn't have clarity. Yet suddenly one man, one man goes silent and he has clarity. Crystal clear. It's as if the light turns on within his own life and in his spirit. In his mind, it's very clear what is happening with, between him and Jesus in this moment. It's as if there was that complete 180 degree. It was internally what was going on in this criminal's life. He goes from blaspheming Jesus to being horrified at the other criminal. And so he starts mocking the other criminal, and, and he, he says, stop it. You know, he, he rebukes the, the other criminal and he reaches out to Jesus. And you kind of go, you're going to have to ask the question, what happened for him to get to that? What happened? 
Maybe a couple of things happened. Maybe, maybe he heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, he's thinking. Forgive them. Forgiven. Hmm. Could I, could I possibly be forgiven? There's so much in this. It could have been that he saw the sign over Jesus, which, which read, King of the Jews. Very good, King of the Jews. Could he be my king? Something happened internally in this criminal. Could it? Could it be? Maybe, maybe. He's hearing the crowd saying, He saved others but himself he cannot save. How did he save others? If he saved others, could he in fact save me? <laughs> There's that word again. Whatever it was, whatever it was, it caused him to stop rebuking Jesus to rebuke his mate on the other side of Jesus and put his trust in Jesus. Listen to the promise. Did you hear that? Listen to the promise. It says this. I think we've got it there on the screen. Assuredly, that's a strong word. Assuredly, I say to you today. Everyone say the word today. Today you will be with me in paradise. Now, why does he say that? Before I answer that, before I answer that, have you ever asked the question, I wonder if I'm saved? <laughs> I wonder if... Am I, am I, how do I know? Am I really a Christian? Wouldn't it be cool the day you kind of confess with your heart and, you know, um, believe, you know uh, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved? Romans 10, verse 9, memory verse for today. Wouldn't it be cool if Jesus showed up today, today, you will be with me in paradise? Hmm. Anyway, the question was uh, assuredly, assuredly, why? Because this is so hard to believe. This guy was unredeemable. Unredeemable. No one in Scripture is given a more explicit assurance of forgiveness and heaven from Jesus as this man is in this moment. Yet, no one ever also seemed more outwardly undeserving than this man. Yet, he received instant heaven. Instant heaven. Let's press pause. Let's talk about this for a moment. You, you've got to ask, don't you? You've got to ask. And I know I've asked over my life. How is this possible, this guy? How is this possible? Does this not bother you? Does this seem right? Isn't there a sense of injustice with this, that he lives his whole life full of disappointment, um, He's paying for his sin upon the cross. He wasn't baptized. He didn't go to church. He wasn't a hope partner. <laughs> he, didn't do any, he didn't do any good works. But now he wants to go to heaven. He has nothing to offer Jesus. He didn't do anything to deserve eternity. Hmm. Ask the questions. That's okay. Because... This is really one of the greatest demonstrations of salvation by grace through faith and not by works. Notice the word today. Today, today, you will be with me. Jesus never said, well, we'll eventually get you there. What we're going to do, we're going to push you over there for a little while. You're going to stay there until all those sins kind of burn out. No, 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 no. Today, he said, today. This is kind of like unacceptable on a works-based system. 
because our minds just can't fathom that this actually happened. So what does it mean to be a Christian? <sighs> good question, good question. Does it mean to be a good person? Does it mean to go to church? Does it mean to love and to help others? And all those things, by the way, all those things are great, great things. But did this thief do any of those things? No. Yet Jesus said today, today you will be with me in paradise. So this guy who's lived a, a life of sin is looking to Jesus saying, bail me out. I am a sinner. I have nothing to offer you. I can't change your mind. Um, I believe you're the Savior, so save me. Jesus' response is this. Yes, because all I ever wanted was you. All I ever wanted was you. And it's this moment that you realize that yes, there is nothing you have to offer me. Nothing. And it's only by grace. And it's only by love that you will be with me today in paradise. And so in theory, in theory, we kind of say, isn't this a great story? This is a great story, is it? Yet we kind of reject it. Well, we kind of resist it because we've been brought up our whole lives believing you, in fact, you earn. You earn things. My paper round, well not a oh, paper, sorry, I've said paper, haven't I? A newspaper, some of us, my vintage would know what a newspaper is. There was a newspaper <laughs> that we used to go around from, from door to door throwing newspapers at people's homes and hoping to get paid for it. And uh, I was a 16-year-old boy at that time, 15-year-old boy, whatever it was, and I earned, I earned uh, some money by doing that. And so we grow up thinking we've got to earn our way. And so this story proves you can't do anything to earn your way into heaven. Ephesians 2 verse 8, another, another memory verse. Is that okay? Memory verse, here we go. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For it is by what? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. What is it? It's a gift. It's a gift. It's the gift of God. And that's what we see about this criminal, don't we? We see that here he is hanging upon a cross, and he can't pay Jesus back with anything except for his life. He gives his life. And it's from this place. It's from this place, is it not? It's a place of grace that we live our entire lives that from a place of worship. We don't just sing. We worship God with the way we live. We worship God saying, God, how can I worship you today? How can I serve you today? How can I bless somebody today? How can I honor you? You know, we live from that place of grace. We live uh, our faith, and it is faith, isn't it? We live our faith out in its fullness. And so here's a guy who lived his entire life in sin and the God of the universe says, come on in, come on in. All I want is you. I just want you. Hmm. Just quickly, as I finish up, I've got four little things. Is that okay? Four little things in this story. I just want to unpack this path uh, uh, from this criminal um, uh, that the thief made with Jesus. Here we go. The first thing is he confessed his guilt. 
He confessed his guilt. Verse 40, but the other answering rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God? Seeing you are under the same condemnation. And we, we, what does that mean? Included himself. Indeed, justly. For we receive the due rewards of our deeds. But this man, he has done nothing wrong. In this moment, he's comparing himself with the perfection of God. He's done nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. This would have been a shock, would it not, to the other thief? Think about the story. What happened to you? What? This is, this is a life. What's going on here? And so in an instant, he goes from blaspheming to immediately stopping. Something crystal clear comes happening from his heart, from his head to his heart. He's guilty. He's getting what he deserves upon a cross. And then he starts rebuking the other guy. And he says, do you not even fear God in this moment? What's happening? He's becoming very, very, very aware of God. By the way, fear of God, fear of God. Let's talk about that word, a couple of words for a moment. The fear of God, the fear of God, in fact means... To revere means to, to be in awe. In a moment when we sing, we're going to be in awe of God's goodness. It means to, to respect. And all of a sudden, in the, the spirit of this man, he became, there's that fear of God that came in his life because it's an evidence. It's an evidence of the saving work of God's goodness in one's life. And so the other thief, the other thief, he had no fear of God. He had no sense of his sinfulness. He had no sense of, of guilt or um, justice or desire of, of forgiveness, no longing for, for what's right or reconciliation at all. Yet this transformed criminal upon the cross on one side of Jesus is experiencing that sense that I am I am sinful, and this man next to me, he is sinless. What an incredible transformation. So the first thing is that he confessed his guilt. Secondly, he trusted Jesus as Savior. Yeah, I got saved. Remember the word? Saved. I got saved December 3, whatever. He trusted Jesus as Savior. Read this. It says, Lord, remember me when you come into your... Focus here just for a moment, just for a moment. Lord, remember when you come into your kingdom. What's he asking? What's he asking here? What's the criminal asking? He's asking for forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgive me by grace and by your mercy. And so firstly, he recognizes Jesus as he says, Lord, Lord, remember me when you come. He's saying, Lord. He doesn't say, hey, you... Hey, buddy, and he definitely doesn't say, the big guy upstairs. He says, Lord, it's respectful, it's reverent, it's honoring. He recognizes him as king. And by the way, only kings have kingdoms. Remember me, when you come into your kingdom, the criminal said. And so he believes Jesus this is incredibly clear Christology. He re that's a, a homework. Sorry, let's check that word out later. But he, he, he believes Jesus is Lord. 
He believes Jesus is king, that Jesus has a kingdom, that Jesus is sinless and he is not. And he's come to that realization. Third thing, this pathway of this criminal, he says that he made it personal. He made it personal. Remember what he said? He said, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. It was as if he was saying, save me. Forgive me. Remember me. It's personal. It's personal. Salvation isn't this package deal where my grandparents, they were Christians. My, my parents, well, my parents, they, they, they took me to church. No, it's personal. And so he made it personal. Here's why. He understood that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the chosen King. And he knows that he's not worthy, but he says to remember me. He made it personal. It's personal. In a moment, I'm going to invite you, maybe for the first time, either in person or online, to make it personal. He confessed his guilt. He trusted Jesus. He made it personal. And fourth and final step along this pathway is that he made it public. Now, presumably, I get it, presumably, he had to say this out loud so Jesus could hear him. Now, if Jesus could hear him, presumably, those at the foot of the cross could also hear him say, Lord, remember me. Lord, Lord, not mate, not buddy, not big fella. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And here's what happened. Here's what happened. He had enough courage to say something against the flow of insults, against the flow of social media that comes across our feed. He had enough courage to stand up. See, it's much easier to follow the crowd than to make my faith known. But he didn't. He made it public. And so, let's summarize what's happened here tonight in this story. And I'm done. And we're going to stand and worship. But I want to pray. I want to pray with and for us here tonight. This story, this story, this story is about one man. It's about the salvation of one man. It's also... everyone's story it's everyone's story you see what happened that day happens every day people are confronted with one of two choices to accept or reject to accept or reject they both had the same opportunity one died lost and one died saved. One died lost, hope less. One died saved with an endless hope. Hope, and there is hope, because I want you to know this. God, he is so eager, so eager 
to be in relationship with you here tonight. Because here's what we learn from this story. It's as soon as you ask, guess what? He says, today, 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 you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Father, I invite you into this holy moment. I thank you for the richness and clarity of your word that you tonight, you are inviting people home. You're inviting people home. I am grateful that you've lifted us from darkness and from death. And we're grateful that you made a way for us to be with you in eternity through your son, Jesus. We thank you that our sins can be forgiven because our sins are paid for by your son, Jesus. And right now, as all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed and those who are participating online, if you need to get right with God once and for all, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, if you've walked away from Him and you know God is calling you right now in your heart of hearts, maybe your heart's beating a little bit faster than normal, maybe it's not. Would you pray this prayer of dedicating your life to Him in your heart of hearts right now? Because in a moment, we're going to stand with the rest of the people with that sense of fear of God. Being in awe and revering Him for how good and how great, how almighty our God is. So say this prayer with me, just in your heart of hearts. If that's you, by the way, it might just be you tonight. But I'm thinking there's more tonight. Lord, I give you my life. I know that I am a sinner. I have shame and I have guilt. Please forgive me. I believe in Jesus. I believe He died for me. I believe He rose from the dead for me. I turn from my way and I turn your way, Jesus, as my Lord and my Saviour. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for new life because now you have mine. In Jesus' name, today.